0: Ceridian creates innovative technology that organizations around the world use to attract, develop, manage, and pay their people. Its award-winning day solution helps customers manage compliance, make better decisions, build great teams, and drive engagement with their employees. Ceridian has solutions for organizations of all sizes. Ceridian makes work life better. For more information, visit www.ceridian.com. Good morning, and welcome to HR Examiners Executive Conversations. I'm your host, John Sumpter, and today we're going to be talking with Jason Averbrook, who is legendary in the HR technology industry. Jason is the uh, most Entertaining and informative speaker on the Rubber Chicken circuit in in HR Tech and is in the process of building his second big company called LeapGen. And so we're going to learn all about that today. Morning, Jason. How are you,
1: <laughs> John? Good morning. I love your music and I love the Rubber Chicken. You've already entertained me twice in our uh, in our first uh, thirty seconds.
0: Well, maybe we should quit while we're ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so, so there may be one or two people who are listening to this who don't know who you are. Would you take a moment and just um, uh, amplify my feeble introduction?
1: Yeah. So, uh, John, besides being old. Um, And besides uh, being in the same industry for the last 20, whatever, six, 27 years, you know, I uh, started my career with your sponsor, with Ceridian Corporation when I was 20 years old. And uh, between Ceridian, PeopleSoft, uh, starting a company, Knowledge Infusion, um, working to reinvent performance management at the Marcus Buckingham Company, and now uh, starting LeapGen, you know, have spent those two decades plus uh, helping CHROs and helping large enterprises truly think about how to leverage HR technology, but most importantly, how to not just leverage it, but how to use it in a way that drives you know a quote unquote business result. So it's been a blast of a uh, time so far, and uh, you know I hope it's only halftime.
0: So so tell me about LinkedIn. That's, that's a it's it's intriguing. Not everybody is. Well, it's either wise or not, but not everybody's willing to go start a second thing after they've had the kind of success that you've had. So, so what's the story? Yeah, so
1: up? John, I have a burning passion, and I want the people that work for our organization to have a burning passion to help organizations make decisions, period, and not make mistakes. Um, one, one of the things that's fascinating um, for me is I took last summer off. And, you know, for me taking the summer off, I still probably traveled once every couple of weeks. Um, and one of the things I did is I had an opportunity to work with a lot of CHROs kind of in my spare time. And I saw them making more mistakes around digitization than, than 10 years prior. Uh, before, they were trying to shift from client server to the cloud and get to a new technology. now they're, the, Now they're trying to say, how do I take this technology that everyone's got, that everyone's got everywhere, and think about how do I put something in people's hands and at people's pockets and on people's wrists that adds value that's harder moving to the tech is new tech is easy getting it into people's brains and getting them to move from adoption to addiction as I say it is much much harder so uh I hate to say it I'm addicted to it it's a passion and um here we go. <laughs>
0: That's great, that's great. So, so your work includes technology strategy and thinking about the future work pick one let's let's go down one of those two paths technology strategy or the future work and so I'm when take, we
1: cut, I'm, t- so I'm going to take, take technology strategy only from the standpoint because I want to make sure you know we still have and you know i mean you travel around I, I see you on the what did we call it the rubber chicken whatever you said i see you on 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 the circuit all the time and you know we go to conferences where there's 100 200 300 400 different vendors uh all exhibiting you know, and what happens is people go there, they get the shiny, the SOS, the shiny object syndrome. You know, they come back, say we have to have this technology. Uh, you know, and end up in bake-offs and and cook-offs and whatever else, boil-offs, whatever else you want to say. You know, only to the fact, only to the point of deploying the technology and not actually doing, not actually seeing what they saw in the demo. So, you know, I think we live in a world today where there's a lot of capability. There's a ton of capability from the vendors, but I think we live in a world today where most enterprises don't do a good job of prioritizing what capabilities they need and what is truly going to make a difference. So the work we do is not – I mean, while it's around technology, it's more around capabilities, John. I think every capability today has a technology component to it. So what we do is try to understand how do you leverage capabilities or services in order to drive whatever your goals are as an HR function. And, by the way, in today's world we live in, you know, a percentage of that is going to be technology or, quote, unquote, digital.
0: Well, that, that's, that's interesting. So if I were to spit that back to you, I would say um, as a, a potential buyer uh, or as a, a a person trying to run an HR organization, there's a lot of option out there and it's really hard to tell what's what. And so, so what you and your team do is translate the vendor mumbo jumbo into here's how your organization is going to benefit from the adoption of this particular set of tools and processes. Is that
1: yeah exactly, John. I think you know it, most importantly, we try to get organizations not to start with technology. We get organizations to start with prioritizing what their capability needs are, where they are today, and where they're trying to get to. So asking the simple question, which isn't that simple in a siloed world of a function, you know what do we want to be great at, and what is it okay to be okay at? So what is it okay to be performing at? But what do I really want to be great at? What are the things that are truly going to separate me and give us a competitive edge as a a business? That's where we start is trying to help organizations understand that and prioritize that. Then how do I now take that prioritization and get those capabilities into my organization? And some of that is technology, John, and some of it is not, to be honest with you. Some of it is just how do I set up my HR function? to be more efficient, which I find we're doing 50% of that and 50% of truly saying, hey, how do we pick a technology?
0: Well, that's that's interesting. And it sounds like rather than, you know, one of the ways that people try to solve this problem is with an army of fresh young college graduate consultants. That that seems to be um, the... The large consulting company operation, and it sounds to me like you've got more of a a point interface so that so that you don't make the case that the way to do this is by putting an army of your people in place to do it is that right
1: no i mean john there there's a, you know, there's an most organizations that have armies of people those people are doing technology implementations and they're trained to do technology implementations, which by the way is a very, very highly skilled and very, very important job. You know, what we're trying to do is we're trying to help be the the middle person, quote unquote, it's a terrible way to say it, between the client and those technology implementations, helping the client make decisions, decisions that are not vendor specific, but decisions that are going to help them make sure that the technologies that they're looking at, the digitization that they're looking at is going to help them achieve their goals. And by the way, That is not usually achieved in one technology. So when I back up the bus the way you described it with a bunch of newbies to put in place technology, what they know is that technology. But what they don't know is that I'm trying to fit that technology, which if we play with my analogy here for a second, is like an organ. And I'm trying to implant that organ into my body. And my body has a bunch of veins. My body has a bunch of history. My body has a bunch of things I'm allergic to. And those people, which are important, again, they don't know all that stuff. And there's no way for them to know all that stuff. So the role we play is helping to make sure that we don't have organ failure when it comes to bringing those digitization efforts into an organization.
0: So so my language, again, that's um – HR project management for transformation projects that blend, um, contemporary practices, um, industry and company appropriate, uh, priorities and technology all into a single initiative. And that's something that's really hard to do with internal people because you, you can't find internal people with experience broad enough to do the work.
1: Right. Yeah, and I, and I I like to think of everything that we do in the digitization world today as always on perpetual beta. So there are no more projects. There might be sprints within a program, but there are no more projects. So these, these days of project managers that come, do a project, get you live, and then leave, uh, they're done. We live in a world where updates are constant. The need for continuous innovation is constant, and therefore, I'm really running programs. And that's where I see organizations struggling to realize that a program is broad. It goes across all these silos, you know, and with this concept of, you know, design thinking, now that I'm pushing my digitization efforts out to the workforce, the workforce using it is more important than the HR department using it because that's where my data comes from to drive all of my analytics and et cetera, et cetera. You know, these programs are, they're complex. They're air traffic control. Planes taking off, planes leaving. How do I make sure that I don't have crashes?
0: That's, that's fantastic. What a great business. What a great business. I'll send you a job a, application it, it, one of these days.
1: Uh, anytime. You know what, John, the, the, the thing that I love about it, and by the way, I, what I, I love about it more than I love quote unquote speaking is you actually see results, and the result is not a go-live. The result is actually saying, this digital effort did this. And it's not that I got it live. It's not that I'm you know, a reference for the vendor. It's we're actually moving the needle. And to me, moving that – you asked me why I would do this again from a, as a serial entrepreneur, quote, unquote, because it's addicting to see – the face of a CHRO when that needle moves. Maybe that sounds a little weird, but for me, that's what drives me.
0: That's No, I understand that exactly. You're, you're able to imagine uh, accomplishment inside of a large department over some period of time, and, and not everybody can do that. So the other part of your, your work involves the future of work. What in the world does that mean?
1: Well, I mean, break it down to just the basics. What, what, we're, what we're trying to do, what we're all trying to do is we're trying to watch the outside, outside of work, and trying to say, hey, within work, how is that changing our lives? How are devices changing our lives? How are the different technographics of people changing our lives? How are political climates changing our lives? How is diverse a diverse workforce and diverse people, a diverse world changing our lives? And then saying, okay, now let's put the lens on that and tie it back to work. So, you know, if I take future of work, it's so broad, John. Everything from how do I have a treadmill, you know, at my desk, because people are more interested in fitness than ever. You know, ours is much narrower than that. It's really looking at the digital component and saying, hey, the way that we are serviced as consumers is so much better than the way we service our employees. Period. Period. End of story. Almost every organization I go to, and I'm about to go into a big college today, uh, you know, they would say, we treat our students much better than we treat our employees. And I just think that's A, wrong, and B, it's only wrong because HR is a little bit behind. So if we think about everything we've done in customer relationship management and customer service and understanding how we have relationships with customers and customer sentiment, we're just starting that when it comes to employees and workforce. We've done a great job of tracking them and getting them paid, John, but we're just starting to say, how are these people thinking? How are they feeling? How do they want to interact with us? And how do we quote unquote service them? And to me, that's, how we're, that, that's the narrow part of the future of work that we're thinking about is truly saying, how do we provide experiences to the workforce that keeps them engaged, A, and B, "Quote unquote," provide the services they need so that their world is frictionless when it comes to HR, and they can do their jobs.
0: That's that, that's interesting, and it's a, it's an interesting problem. You know, you know, for as long as I've been watching this technology, I remember I met you a really long time ago when you were at PeopleSoft, and I was I was looking at the emergence of the web, and it was very clear that consumer technology was advanced beyond the imaginings of enterprise people um, that long ago. And so so I've always assumed that there's just kind of a natural lag between the two, partly because it's easy to service consumers, but it is challenging to figure out how organizations actually work. And then if you're not careful, uh, the wrong set of assumptions about how organizations actually work cause Real problems. That's part of part of HR's uh, reputation is that it doesn't actually understand how the organization works. And so so you get these policies that conflict with good work process. Uh, uh, well, so, and
1: and John, John, if I could, you know, the other thing that I think separates the two is that organizations that have succeeded in servicing customers have had to take some bold leaps. I mean, they've had to do some bold things like, hey, may, let's, let's try this online chat and see if our customers are really going to chat with us. Or let's try giving people a mobile device and seeing if they're going to order their stuff on a mobile device. I mean, if we think about customer service, what we're trying to do is we're taking risks to differentiate ourselves. If we think about most HR functions, what I'm trying to do is avoid risk. So many times in HR, I, I don't do things for the 0.01% that might not like it versus the 99.99% who are ready for it. So, you know, in my personal opinion, you know, we're behind A because people don't understand their organizations, but B, HR has to shift from people who avoid risk to people that take risks.
0: Well, that's, a, you know, that's, it's an interesting paradox, isn't it? Because the job of HR is to um, is very specifically to mitigate certain risks. It's almost as if there are two um, radically conflicting voices in the head of HR. Right? One is yeah, no, I yeah, yeah, I
1: think
0: one is compliance right. oriented, one yeah. and one is performance oriented. And and um, if you don't think uh, this is not you, Jason, but if one doesn't think that compliance and performance are not contradictory. <laughs> I think, I think you, better, you better go think about
1: it a little bit more. You, yeah, you, no, I think that's why I think that's I truly think that's one of the big challenges. And, you know, when we talk to organizations, you know, one of the first things we we, under, we try to understand from them is a, you know, are they trying to, you know, be quote unquote strategic and to be strategic, we're going to have to try new things and take some risks. You know, and b, what's the level of quote unquote compliance and where how are they doing in those things? If we're approaching an organization that has compliance like constantly worried about compliance and has issues with compliance, the route and the strategy and the digitization efforts look completely different than for an organization who says, "You know what? I want to blow this thing up. You know I really want to digitize what I do, and I really want to create an experience for the employees that makes them want to stay. Those are two completely, completely different messages. And, you know, I'll say it's good from the standpoint of, you know, people in HR are always going to have a job. It's bad from the standpoint of, hey, how do we prioritize and do both of these? You know, keep the lights on and at the same time, innovate at the same time.
0: So, so one of the things that I'm seeing is that – um the boundary between hr and operations is getting pretty fuzzy a lot of a lot of what training really turns out to need to be isn't the kind of stuff that hr has been training people in but it is more skills oriented and more operations oriented and so 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 is that part of part of what you encounter right if you're going to make it, it, the interface frictionless yeah,
1: no, it is part of what we encounter, John. And I mean, one of the differences between my last company, Knowledge Infusion, and LeapGen is within LeapGen, we've actually built an academy. And the academy is to teach HR people, especially people dealing with HR technology, that in the past, 30 to 40% of your job used to be technical. You know, in today's world, maybe, maybe 5 to 10% of it is technical as we've shifted to an as a service model. And now your job has to be much more focused on the people side of it and the process side of it, and understanding how to how to how to create that experience, a, and how to make all of these digitization efforts come together. So I completely agree with you that 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 shift is there, and there's a much more, you know, operations is such a, I'm not even, I don't even know how to say the how to say this, you know, sometimes operations it's a bum rap, you know, as operations is the you know, transactional engine, it's the call center, it's the, it's the grunt work, you know, and I think that making operations sexy is what's going to differentiate organizations as to, you know, how do we make sure our people when when they go on glass door, don't say, Hey, you know, it's really hard to get stuff done here.
0: Yeah. I think, I think we're starting to see more attention being paid. I'm, one of the things I've been spending some time working on is the um, the universe of massive call centers. so so when yeah. when they when the cell phone companies get the next iPhone, there are ten thousand people who all have the exact same job of helping people troubleshoot their iPhones. And when you want to get learning, If if you learn something smart in that environment, the value of that learning is real money, right? And so you want to get the learning cycled as fast as you possibly can. And there are some of the things that are closest to AI that I've encountered in in my current study are companies who help cycle recent not learning rapidly around big call centers. Cause yeah, and we're helping work you
1: know, we're working with organizations today where we're helping them put in quote unquote bots, you know, I I did the quotes because everyone's got different definitions. But you know, basically when an employee you know, through Slack or through an SMS message or through a platform, you know, when an employee asks a question, you know, they're asking a question, you know, they're asking the question to the bot. And, you know, one of the things that I've been trying to get through to HR people, you know, over the last, I'd say, year is when we think about, you know, I get in trouble when I say this, when we think about touch or touching, you know, I know that that and HR don't go well together, but, you know, when we think about touch, high touch doesn't necessarily mean human. You know, we live in a world today where high touch can be digital, and when we start to We start to think that way and say, which of our processes, which of our things, like you just mentioned, this iPhone discussion, truly are, you know, people are going to be happier with digital touch than they are with human touch. You know, that opens up some amazing, that opens up some amazing opportunities when it comes to, you know, digitization. Well,
0: I I think that's right in my bet. I bet. Again, one of the things I'm discovering is that there are no real interesting models for the total cost of ownership or something like that. And that the, the error rate in technology that takes questions from human beings is on the 20, 25% rate. So, sure. uh, in order to install a quote bot, um, what you have to have is a way to tell it that it's stupid and human beings, you can directly interact with when it doesn't do its job. And that's that's a significant cost difference between the sort of rosy picture you might paint with the technology. Because it's, yeah, it's going to be bot enabled rather than... Yeah,
1: I mean, John, I did an event last night uh, in Chicago where I'm at right now, you know, where, you know, one of the key... Well, actually, the, the main point of the conversation last night was you know we have to think about process design completely differently and we're not just uh, thinking about processes anymore we're actually imagining and and developing conversations and those conversations are the conversations that the bots have with our workforce and that's a when you think about that like what do you want to say when someone says death in the family you know what do you want to say when someone says I had a baby. I mean, you know, it's process, but it's process to the next level because I'm now not just thinking about process automation. I'm thinking about how is this piece of technology conversing with my workforce? And, you know, when you, when you actually say that to HR people, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa what are you talking about? We're designing conversations. Uh, that's going to be a big push going forward.
0: One of the one of the amazing things about that conversation design process, I think that's a good way to talk about it, um, is it is actually the easiest task is understanding what all of the answers are. The technical challenge is that it appears currently to be impossible to imagine what all of the questions are. So the answer is here's our policy: when you have a death in the family, has a thousand different ways you can get to that answer, and they are largely cultural variations of sensitivity to the topic, because it's a taboo topic. People talk about it in funny ways. Um, and so so figuring out how to get the machine to understand the myriad ways the question can be asked turns out to be the technical challenge in, in the evolution of conversation.
1: No, it really is, John, and, and you know, I, uh, I, as you know, I oftentimes uh, marvel at my two boys, um, you know, Ben and Alex, who are now, you know, 13 and 10, and, you know, I've, we, you know, we've loaded up the house, we've loaded up the house with Alexas and Siri. Uh, you know, and people are like, why do you use those things? And I'm like, I'm totally fascinated by watching how they ask questions to these things, you know, and they'll they'll say, you know, Alexa, play so-and-so, you know, and Alexa sometimes understands and Alexa doesn't understand. And to me, that's what we're watching there is basically the way that we're, we in digital HR are going to think going forward is, you know, we're going to have to predict how our employees are going to ask questions and our employees are going to ask the questions, you know, of their devices. uh, Because unfortunately or fortunately, however you look at it, they trust their device more than they trust their HR business partner.
0: Well, that may that may be up until the point that it starts trying to do HR. Because if when Alexa doesn't answer you, uh, you find a different way to come at it. If the HR bot doesn't answer you, you might go, Oh, right, that's HR. Right, and so and yeah. so the failure to answer, which is acceptable in the, the level of failure to answer that's acceptable in the consumer device, may not be acceptable in an HR device.
1: Well, it'll be very interesting to watch. And what I'm trying to get organizations to realize is that you know the you know today when we think about asking a uh, a question like that, like my kid doesn't say, okay, topic music, Alexa play. So and so, my kid just talks to the device, you know, and I think that's what we're going to see going forward is employees they're not going to think about departments they're not going to like we think about these intranets and portals that are a set of link farms they're not you know employees aren't going to think about where they go. employees are going to talk to the thing, and that's going to change the way we deliver services in businesses huge i'm sure'm I'm
0: sure that I'm sure that's right, so um, we have blitzed through the half hour, Jason. What a great conversation. Thanks for taking the yeah, time I, to I think, do this.
1: Yeah. Every time I do this with you, John, I, A, I love it, and B, I think we could do it for a day. You know, don't because, we, don't. Uh, we scratched the surface and we're like, whoa, what do you mean, we're done?
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, well, find your way to Sebastopol on one of your many trips and we'll, and we'll figure out how to do it for a day. Um, yeah. So, So what do you want to leave people with? Uh,
1: you know, for me, the the that my leap behind right now is it, the name of our company is Leap Gen, and Leap Gen means two things. First of all, it, it means leap to the next generation, which is leaping to the next generation of work, the next generation of people, the next generation of technology. But the other definition of leap, and this comes from one of my favorite authors, his name is Steve Farber. Leap stands for love, energy, audacity, and proof. So love, energy, audacity, and proof. And one of the things I've learned in my you know two plus decades in this industry is you have to love what you do. And if you love what you do, it gives you energy. If you have energy, you can do the audacious. And if you do the audacious, you can then continue to prove it to people and do it over and over and again. So you know my leave behind is leap, both from a you know move to the next generation, but also. You have to love what you do. That's the only way we're going to move the industry forward.
0: That's fantastic. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you, the best way is?
1: <laughs> Twitter. Just Twitter, Jason Averbrook, or LinkedIn, Jason Averbrook, not Averbrook. Uh, you know, my cell phone number's posted all over the place. Go to our website, LeapGen.com. There's a lot of blogs, a lot of posts, all that stuff. So I, you know, I try to stay
0: in all the channels.
1: So that, uh, you know, all of the stuff that we try to educate the market on, you know, can be found easily.
0: That's great. Thanks for taking the time to do this, Jason. It was a great conversation. As always, John, thank you. Yep. So you've been listening to HR Examiners Executive Conversations, and we've been talking with Jason Averbook, A-V-E-R-B-O-O-K, if you're trying to find Jason in the social media streams. And thanks for taking the time to listen to us this morning. It's been our pleasure. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you the next time around. Bye-bye now.